Well, good morning, church. Man, we are so glad that you're here this morning, and I don't know about you, but it was such a good reminder just a moment ago as Alejandra was leading us that even when we go through difficult times, God is still good. Amen, church? I hope you believe that, because you know, sometimes you talk to people and you're like, man, this has been a great week. God is so good. What about the bad weeks? He's still on his throne. He's still good, and he's still worthy of our praise. Can the church say amen to that? Now, I should have done this last week, and I didn't do it last week, so I'm so sorry, but I just want you to know that Alejandra Garcia, Alejandra, where are you at? Okay, raise your hand there. Okay, Alejandra is our new worship director, so let's give her some love this morning. And I guess I'm supposed to say you're recently engaged to Drew. There was was a little bit of, oh, okay, yeah. As I said earlier, that is a praise for Drew, that is a prayer request for Alejandra, and so... um, So, no, 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 we're so thrilled that she's going to be leading an already incredible team that we have here on Sunday morning, and so we're so thankful for her to be part of that. Now, today, we're going to continue our series called Reset, and really the whole, kind of the whole ball of wax for this thing was, as we enter 2023, it's a really good time to take a hard look at some areas of our life and go, what are some areas that I need to push the reset button? What are some areas that I, not just good intentions, because we know what good intentions do, right? Nothing. Those are called resolutions, and you've probably already broken all the ones you made January 1, right? And so we want to push the reset button. We go, what are some areas that I need to make some drastic changes in our lives? And that's not only true with our life in general, but what if we ask that question as it relates to our spiritual lives? What are some areas that I need to push the reset button spiritually so that I can live 2023 in such a way that's honoring and pleasing to the Lord. So we've talked about some areas. First of all, we talked about focus. One of the areas that we need to reset is our focus. We told the story of Mary and Martha, and one was focused on the urgent things, and one was focused on what? The important thing. And many of us spend our lives and waste our days only focused on the urgent, and we neglect the important. What is the most important thing? It's your relationship with Christ. It's developing, growing, nurturing, and getting deep in your walk with Christ. Listen, the urgent things are always going to be there, right? Is your house payment ever going away? Until 30 years, right? It's there, right? Is the urgent things of life still going to pull at you? Yes. But instead of being distracted by those things, let's not let the urgent trump the important. And then last week, we talked about inputs. If we, maybe one area we need to reset our lives are things that we input into our lives. We input a lot of things. And whether you believe it or not, you don't have to believe me, but believe what Jesus said, that what you put into your life does impact you. It does affect you. Jesus said it best when he said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. And in other words, if you put garbage in, guess what's coming out? Garbage. And so we said one of the things that we most importantly need to put into our lives is this, God's Word. It's probably one of the most important things that no one need to put in our lives, but it's one of the things we put into our life the least. And so last week we talked about why in the world is it so important for us to put God's Word into our lives. So we talked about the power of God's Word. We talked about the pricelessness of God's Word, and we talked about how God's Word is profitable. And today I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about another thing that we need to maybe hit the reset button on that we're going to look at. And I'm just going to be honest out of the gate. This is a very personal conversation. This is a very personal issue, but it's one that has to be had. It's one that we as believers have got to wrestle with. And the issue that we need to think about, do I need to hit the reset button on my investments? 
Now, I'm not talking about the Dow Jones. I'm not talking about your 401k necessarily. I'm talking about what are the things that you invest your life in? What are the things that you expend your time, your energy, and your resources on? And you may not know this, but this is true. Jesus had a lot to say about what we do with our investments. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And I want to read chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. And I know you just sat down, but it is the new year, and you do need your exercise. So please stand with me in honor of reading God's Word. Matthew chapter 6. I begin reading verse 19. These are the words of Jesus himself, the creator of the universe, the savior of the world. And here's what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Listen to this. No one, everybody say no one. No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and what? Money. Let's pray. God, we love you. I ask you to speak to us today. Lord, I know anytime we talk about financial things, immediately there's some that are going to push back because they feel like, oh, that's what the church talks about. Lord, we just want to know biblically what you say, and we want to be obedient to your word. And so, God, I pray that you would, anything that's in us that wants to well up, any pushback that we want to give, Lord, that you would just yield our hearts this morning, open our eyes to the truth of your word, because what you say in this passage speaks volumes about how we ought to live our lives. So God, be with us, bless us, and it's your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when you look at this passage, Jesus has a lot to say about the types of investments that you make and that I make and that we make. He has a lot to say about the things where we expend our time, our energy, and our resources in. And so as we look at this passage, there's three things I want us to notice. And the first thing is, the first thing Jesus says is that earthly investments, earthly investments don't last. When we invest in earthly things, earthly goods, quite frankly, they don't last. Look what he says in verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, the first thing he says is, don't store up for yourselves treasures where? Come on, where? On earth, right? In fact, if you were to translate that in the original language, he says this, stop storing up. It's really what he means. Now, why would Jesus say that? When you, when you, if you have kids and you discipline your kids and you tell them to stop doing something, why do you tell them to stop doing something? Come on, why? Because they're doing something what? That they shouldn't be doing, right? I mean, you randomly walk by your kids who are acting like angels in the moment going, stop be hitting your brother in the face, and they're not doing any of that? No, no, no. You tell them to stop doing something that what? They are currently doing. Now, context here is this. Jesus is teaching the greatest sermon ever. It's the Sermon on the Mount. 
So he's on this mountainside, and all these people have gathered around him, and Jesus teaching, and one of the many things that he talks about is investments. And he makes this statement, stop storing up earthly treasures. Now, why would he say that? Because that's exactly what some of them were doing. He's like, for some of you, you are expending your time, your energy, and your resources. You're expending all that to gather earthly goods. And so what Jesus is saying is he's prohibiting the self-accumulation and the hoarding. That's probably a better word. The hoarding of earthly goods. Jesus says, don't do it. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, are earthly goods all bad? And the answer is what? No. No. I mean, if you're going to buy bread to eat... What do you have to have? Not a trick question, by the way. What do you have to have? Money. So earthly goods aren't inherently bad, but when that becomes the chief pursuit of our life, when we become dedicated to acquiring more and more and more, and what else? More. And that becomes the chief pursuit of our life, it becomes a real problem. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Okay, Doug, you're saying then, so are you saying that, that, you know, I'm the kind of person, Doug, and maybe I'm speaking for you, I'm the kind of person that I take my check and I give faithfully to the Lord and I, I put 10% in the savings and I live on the rest. Are you saying I shouldn't do that? I'm not saying that at all. What I'm actually, what I believe is that God's word over and over and over again tells us that whatever God has allowed us to have, now did you catch what I said there? Allowed us to have, because everything belongs to who? It belongs to him. No, no, Doug, I worked overtime. I know, but who gave you the strength to work overtime? Who gives you the breath in your lungs? In fact, let's just take a real quick exercise. Everybody take a deep breath with me. Now let it out. So you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on, right? Who gave you the ability to do that? Come on, who gave, come not a trick question. Who gave you that ability? Did you muster that up on your own? No, for fact, some of you were struggling, right? Like, let's hurry up and breathe. Why? Because even the very breath that you have doesn't come from you. It comes from God, Right? And so I, don't, I really believe when you look at the money that God has allowed you to have, the investments that God has allowed you to have, we are called to be good stewards of that thing. Whatever God has entrusted you with, we are called to steward in a way that's honoring and pleasing to him. So I'm not saying ditch your 401k. I'm not saying ditch your savings account. It's not what I'm saying. What Jesus is addressing is a heart, of, a heart issue. A heart issue where some people are dedicating their lives for the accumulation of earthly treasures. And Jesus simply says it this way, stop storing it up. Now, we know there's three things in the first century that they typically were trying to hoard or to store up. And we know that because Jesus says, you know, as he speaks about not storing up earthly treasures, he talks about moths, destroying some things, rust, destroying some things, and thieves. So what does moths ruin? Anybody know? Clothing. And so in the first century, one thing that they would do is they would try to hoard up as much clothing as they could, because in that day, clothing was also used to barter. And so they would, so they would hoard up all this clothing, they would keep all these stashes and stashes and stashes of clothing, because they would use that in a sense of bartering with other people to get goods that they needed. And if you had more clothes that you could barter with, it gave you a false sense of independence. Like, I can do this thing on my own. I got this thing covered. And Jesus says, listen, you want to hoard up all those clothings? Guess what? It's susceptible to what? Moths. And moths can destroy that. And then he talks about rust. Now, what does rust do to a truck? All you men, what does the rust do to a truck? 
It eats it away, right? It eats it away. And so what is the product that they would have wanted to hoard together and put in a place where they could keep it together that could be eaten away? It was grain. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, you can go back and read that. If you're in small groups, it was in your lesson today. This guy that kept building bigger and bigger and bigger in barns, and he kept getting all this grain and saying, I need bigger barns. And so he'd tear one down, he'd build a bigger barn. And in the first century, they would get as much grain as they could, and they would try to store it because in that culture and in that area of the world, it was known for famine. And they thought if we had enough grain, then we'll be secure that when famine comes, and no matter what the world throws our way, we're going to be okay because we've got more and more and more accumulated. And grain gave them, the storage of grain gave them a false sense of security. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, you can store all that up if you want to, but it's susceptible to rust. Now, what eats away at grain? Mice and rats, right? He says, you can store it all up, but it's not going to last. And then he talks about thieves, thieves that come in and steal something. What was the most precious commodity they could have had in the first century? And quite frankly, maybe the most precious commodity we could have today. Gold. Some of you said that with a little bit of desire in your heart. I'm sorry about that. Like gold, right? I mean, gold, right? And what they would do, I don't know if you know this, but if you study any Jewish first century historian, they will tell you that what they would do is if they had gold, they would hide it inside the walls of the house or under the floorboards in their house. That they would literally build, take up the floorboards, put the gold down and hide it, or open up the walls, put the gold in there, and that's where they would hide it. And Jesus says, listen, you go to whatever length you want to to hide your gold, thieves are still going to what? Find it. And so what Jesus' point is, listen, you have come to a place where you are treasuring earthly things. You, you want more gold, you want more grain, you want more clothing. Why? Because all these things give you a false sense of independence, security, and power. Now, come on, everybody look at me. He's looking at all these people in the eye, and here's what he's saying. You are expending all of your time, your energy, and resources accumulating earthly treasures, and none of it's going to last. Not one bit of it. None of it's going to last. It's all going to decay. It's all going to go away. And at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. Can you? Can you take it with you? If you have a 401k that's out of this world and you die, are you taking it with you? It's not going with you. And here's the worst part about what he's saying. All these people who are investing in earthly treasures and trying to accumulate and hoard all this stuff, does any of that stuff have eternal value? None of it. None of it does. I don't care how big your bank account is. I don't care how big your 401k. I don't care how big anything is in your life or how beautiful truck you have. All the worldly possessions you can have have no eternal value in them. And so what Jesus is saying is this. Stop living your life pursuing all those things. Stop living your life storing up, treasuring, hoarding all the things of the world that are just going to pass away. But then he says this. Look at me in verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where neither moth nor rust nor thieves do not break in and steal. So he says basically earthly investments are bad investments. They don't last. 
heavenly investments have eternal value. He says, I want you to invest in something that moth can't destroy, rust can't destroy, and thieves can't steal. I want you to invest in something that is eternal. Now, quite frankly, what is eternal? He's saying, listen, I want you to stop storing up this, and I want you to start storing up this. Start hoarding this. What has eternal value? The souls of man and the kingdom of God. I want you to start pouring into people and doing my work in this world. Because people and my work in this world are going to last forever. I want you to stop focusing, hoarding up things that are going to pass away. And I want you to start investing in something and people that are going to last forever. Whether you believe this or not, every person sitting in this room, you are going to live forever. The question is, where are you going to be forever? In a place called heaven with Christ forever or in a place called hell apart from Christ? Every single one is going to live forever. And if every single one of us live forever, and let me just make it a little more personal, every one of your grandkids are going to live forever. Every one of your kids are going to live forever. Your mom and dad is going to live forever. Your grandma and grandpa, your aunts and your uncles, every person you know in this world that has ever lived is going to live forever. Are they worth the investment? They are. Because they're going to spend eternity in one of two places. And Jesus said, listen to me, he said, what I want you to do. I want you to stop hoarding and storing up earthly treasures. And I want you to start storing up heavenly treasures. I want you to start focusing your life on things that really matter. I don't know about you. Anybody a worry wart in the room? There's a bunch. Okay, their hands are now going up. Okay, like you're scared. Okay. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Many of us worry. Has it ever helped you to worry? Anybody ever get stressed out in the room? Let me see your hands. Anybody stressed out in the room? That ever help you? That ever work well for you? I, you know, every time I worry and every time I get stressed out, I guess I feel like there's going to be a different conclusion, but there never is, right? My stress and my worry never helps. You know what helps? Is when I put my pride aside and I get on my knees and I cry out to my Heavenly Father. That's what helps. Because he changes me, right? Because now I'm becoming, I'm not, I'm not focused on earthly stuff. Now I'm saying, God, I want you to do work in me. And I want to be a representative. I want to be salt and light for you. I want people when they see me to be drawn to you. And so I get on my knees and say, God, would you help me? That's what helps, right? And Jesus says, I want you to stop focusing on the wrong stuff. Quit focusing on the acquisition of all this earthly treasure and start focusing on acquiring things that have eternal value. How do we do that? Let me give you three things. It's not in your notes. Not going to be on the screen. I want you to write it down. Here's three ways you and I can invest in heavenly treasures. It's with our time, our energy, and with our resources. Here's what I mean by time. Who are you pouring into? Who's in your life that you're speaking wisdom, truth, biblical knowledge into. I had a conversation with Cameron this week. I hope Cameron, you don't mind me sharing this because I'm going to anyway, but we were having this conversation and I love what he said and it was so powerful because he's an old soul who's very smart and he said, you know what? In my life, I have a Timothy and I have a Barnabas, but man, I sure do need a Paul. In other words, I got somebody to do ministry with. I got somebody I'm pouring into, but man, I sure do need somebody 
personally to pour into me. You know what he's asking for? I want somebody to make an eternal difference in my life that's willing to pour truth of God's word into my life. Who are you pouring into? I mean, when you think about your time, what is, what, how are you expending your time? Are you pouring into chasing the almighty dollar? Are you pouring your time into building your portfolio, building your career? What are you pouring your time into? Are you pouring your time into people that matter? I don't know if you know this or not, but people do matter, don't they? People really, and so when Michael Strackeljohn or Cameron or Drew or myself, when we say we love you and we're glad you're here, that is not fluff for us. That is really what I mean. Because why? Because you matter. You matter not just in our eyes, but you matter in the kingdom of God. And if you matter to God, by golly, you're going to matter to us. Right? And so he said, I want you to stop focusing on this, and I want you to start making eternal difference. And so with our time, think about what you're pouring into. I don't know about you, but when I look at the schedule of my day, there's some days I go home and I'll tell Sonia, I did absolutely nothing that was on my list today. Anybody else have that kind of day? And it seems, I don't know, but it seems like people think I have time to talk to all of them all the time and do all their stuff, right? Now, I, I'm a point A to point B kind of guy. So like if I'm going to the front when I'm done here, I'm going to the front and I'm going to get there before any of you because I'm not letting any of you sneak out on me. I'm getting there. But what I've learned in my life and my ministry is sometimes point A to point B is the worst way to be. What I need to be is more like A, B, over here to D, over there to F. And I need to take time and enjoy the people that are around me. Why? Because people matter. What are you doing with your time? What about your energy? Where are you expending energy? Can I tell you the best place for you and I to make an eternal difference expending our energy is in serving for the Lord. In fact, I've said this many times, and I'm going to say it again. We most look like Jesus when we serve other people. Jesus modeled it. I mean, Jesus, and the, the hours before he was taken to a cross, when he probably could have been contemplating what was going to happen, he put a, a towel around his waist, and he got on his knees, and he served his disciples by washing their feet. He even said himself, I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus was the ultimate servant. And one way we need to be spending our energy is by serving other people. Why? Because people matter. People matter. A third way we can do this. A third way we can invest in eternal things is with our resources. What God has entrusted you with financially you can entrust it back to him by being a good steward through the local church. Now, in the Old Testament, God knows, God knows something about all of us that we all need to be aware of. You know it, but you don't really want to talk about it, but it's just simply true. We all battle greed. Can I get an amen on that? Some of you don't want to talk about it. No, not me, Doug. Not me. Yeah, you too. We all do. We all, because greed says, I'm never content. I'm never okay with what I have and where God's got me. I always want what? more. See, God already knew that about you. Isn't that cool? God already knew that every person, including this cat on the stage, we all wrestle with greed. So God says, I'm going to implement something to help you fight greed. And in the Old Testament, that was called the tithe. And the Old Testament, God established in the law something that was a tithe. Now, it actually happened before the law, but in the law, they were to tithe. A tithe is how much? Anybody know? 10%. It is 10% of your earnings. Now, some of you are going to go, well, Doug, is that gross or net? Well, which kind of blessings do you want? I don't know. Just think about that for a moment, okay? You want gross blessings or net? I mean, that's up to you. But the point is, the Old Testament was, you were to bring the tithe to the storehouse. What was the storehouse? The place of worship. So the tithe is something God said, now listen, I want to impose this on you, he says, not because I need it, but because I want to protect your heart. Because I know your heart. 
It's deceitful. Your heart it can wrestle with greed. And so listen, when you think about this, and I should have done this and I did, but if I had 10 money bags filled full of paper, because I don't have that kind of money, but if I had 10 money bags up here filled with paper, it would blow our mind if you really thought about this, if every one of those bags were filled up with $100 bills and said, this is all that God has allowed me to have every single month, and then I just take one bag and go, but this is all God asks of me. That should be mind-blowing to us. That everything that God has given us, he asks for a tenth. It's not because God needs our money. And listen, if he can create the universe with the words out of his mouth, ten times he said, let it be, and it was, he sure doesn't need your money, and he sure doesn't need mine. But he wants it because he wants us to be in a place where we're fighting the heart of greed. So he asks us to tithe. And so we say, oh yeah, but we're a New Testament, dog. It's not in the New Testament. With all the love in my heart, you're wrong. In fact, the only compliment Jesus ever gave the Pharisees were that they were tithers. That was it. And Jesus also said, I've not come to abolish the law, but I've come to what? Fulfill the law. And another time, Jesus says, you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and you give to God what belongs to God. So there's this idea that something belongs to God, and so Jesus advocates the tithe. In fact, Luke chapter 12, Jesus raises the bar. Look what he says here. I just want, don't, it won't be on the screen, but listen to this. I was in a small group, and they read today, and it managed to hit my heart. He says this, a rich guy kept building bigger and bigger barns, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, the person came to them and said that if you're, tonight you're going to die, your life is going to be taken from you. And then he says this in verse 21 of chapter 12. So is anyone who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God? See, Jesus is like, you know, the tithe may be the bar, but I want you to be rich toward God. Here's just a question for you. Can you outgive God? Can you be more generous than God has been? No. And I'm going to say this, with because with, some of you may be new, and you're like, man, is he talking about this all the time? Listen, this church, I've been a part of churches for 31 and a half years in my life on staff as a minister. I know I don't look that old, but I have been. First church I've ever been a part of where people get it. This church is one of the most faithful churches I have ever been a part of in my life. So as you see me get fired up, it's not because this church isn't getting it. It's because I want us all to be obedient. I want all of us to come to a place where we don't let money and the pursuit of the almighty dollar lead to greed and lust and coveting in our heart and take us away from Christ. So he says, stop storing up earthly stuff and start focusing on heavenly stuff. How do we do it? With our time, with our energy, and our resources. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to prioritize heavenly treasures, not earthly trinkets. Why? Look at verse 21 with me, if you would. He says this, For where your treasure is, there your what? Heart. So what you supremely value, the thing you pursue over everything else in your life, is a reflection of your heart. Now, if we just took that one verse in every area of our life and thought about that, that can be quite convicting, can't it? To think about every area of my life and go that what I most value is reflection of my heart. For some of us, we would back up and go, well, my heart, it's pretty wicked, isn't it? My heart can be rebellious. And then Jesus goes on. I love what he says next. He says in verse 22, the eye is a lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. And full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will feel full of darkness. If in the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, I want you to back up and go, where's my heart at today? What do you 
treasure over everything else. And I know this is cliche. I know it's a pastor phrase here, but I'm just telling you the most treasured thing that you and I have in our life is our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's time to just stop saying it and start living like it. Because quite frankly, if we were to look at our pocketbooks, we were looking at our daytimers, and we were looking at our life, many of us would say, I say that with my mouth, but nothing in my life reflects that. Nothing in my life reflects that the most important treasure in my life is Jesus. I don't spend time with him. I don't obey him. So how can we say that? And so what Jesus is telling them, say, listen, I want you to stop hoarding these things. I want you to start investing in these things. At the end of the day, I want you to take a real look at your heart today. I want you to take a real look and go, where is your heart at? What do you treasure over everything else? I ask you this morning, what do you treasure over everything else? What is the most important treasure in your life? And you don't have to answer that, but be honest. Because if you say it's the Lord, could, could you look at areas of your life and see that reflected? Could we look at your schedule and see that? Could we look at your checkbook and see that? Could we look at your conversations and see that? What do we treasure? And then Jesus ends with this really eerie statement. Look at me in verse 24. Look at the last thing he says. Because I'm sure, listen, everybody look at me. I'm sure in the Sermon on the Mount, People were as wide-eyed, pushback, cross-armed, sweating, and frustrated as you are this morning. But look what Jesus says. No one can serve two masters. For either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. Here's what Jesus says. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. There's only room for one on the throne of your life. Is it going to be money or is it going to be me? You got to make a choice. Now, here's why he would say that. Because we all know this. Don't we try to walk the tightrope of living in both worlds? Don't we try to walk that tightrope? We want more money, but we want to honor God. And we walk that rope and we walk that rope. He said, listen, let's make it clear today. You've got to make a choice. What is going to be the chief pursuit of your life? Is it the pursuit of almighty dollar or is it the pursuit of almighty God? You've got to make a choice because you can't serve both. You'll learn to love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and money. Make a choice. That's what Jesus is saying. And so this morning, maybe we need to hit the reset button on our investments. Maybe this morning we need to take a hard look. How are we spending our time Am I investing in other people, or am I investing my time in the pursuit of almighty dollar? Now, listen, don't go home and say, Doug gave me the authority to quit my job, honey. I'm never going back to work again. It's not what I'm saying. You have to be a steward and responsible. But how are you spending your time? How are you really spending your time? Maybe you need to look at your life and look at, where am I investing my talents? Where am I investing my energy? Am I serving or am I self-serving? It's all about me. And where am I expending my resources? See, here's what Tyler and Casey would say to you when you talk to them and you see the video. When I learn to give to God what God has asked me to give to him, it reminds me that everything belongs to him. 
that I am a manager of what he's given me. I own nothing. Right? Your home, it belongs to God. Your family, they belong to God. There's nothing in this world that you truly own. It all belongs to who? To God. And when I give and I'm generous back to God, I'm acknowledging God. Even with a small percentage of 10%. Why, for some of you, it's like, whoa, that's a lot. But even with that, when I give that back to him, I'm saying, God, I want to honor you. Now, the way we, I want you to think about that is this. That for some of you, maybe you need to make some commitments. Especially as it comes to your serving. Maybe you need to make commitments as it comes to your resources. And here's what I want to challenge you with. For some of you, man, you've been a part of, listen, if you're a, a member of our church and you're, or you feel like this church is your home, man, I want you to hear my heart. If you're brand new, if this is your first Sunday, my goal for you is I just want you to bind to what it means to be obedient to the Lord. And for some of you, you, we all know that God cares about our finances. He cares about our resources. And for some of you, maybe you give nothing to the Lord. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. I can tell you story after story after story of people who have done that, and God blessed them. If you're that person who's, who I like to call the random giver, I mean, you got like three bucks in your pocket, and you're going to put it, wonderful. But maybe make a real commitment of a percentage as you ought to do. Maybe that person's like, man, I'm giving percentage, but I've not made it to the 10th. Well, maybe make that commitment. Or if you're like many in the room today, that you know, you've got that person, you're a tither, and you give 10%, maybe you need to explore what does it mean to be rich toward God. Listen, at the end of the day, this church doesn't need your money because God's got us. But what this church does need is the people of God being obedient to the commands of God. And we need to do that. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to help you in two ways, all right? I want to help you. If you want help today, say, I want it, Doug. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure, but I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Two things today I'm going to challenge you with. Okay, number one, as you leave today in a few moments, there is a sheet up there called a place to serve. And maybe you need some encouragement of where to spend your time and your energy. And maybe you need to start serving the Lord. And many of you, man, we have a higher percentage. Most times in church life, you hear this stat that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's not true here. We have like 67% of our average regular church attenders are involved in serving in the church somewhere. That is incredible and off the chart. But maybe that's not you. And so we have a sheet up there that says, here's all the areas that you can serve. Or maybe the next time we do a big event where we're serving our community, you need to be part of that. I want you to find a way to invest your time and your energy and to be more like Christ by serving. And then the second thing I want to challenge you with is the little envelope. If you found that envelope, when you grab that, I want to challenge you with this. You go ahead and grab your envelope there. It might not everybody have one, but there's one, two or three on every row. Then if you grab that envelope, here's what we want to challenge you to do. This is for those who are members of our church and those who feel like this church is really your home. Okay? This is not a requirement. Let me repeat. It's not a requirement. This is a chance to step into obedience. And what we're going to ask you to do is, a, is make a commitment to the Lord. Maybe you need to make that commitment, and you can turn in this week or next week or whenever you want to. But the idea behind this is, and Cross Life Oviedo and Cross Life East have done this for the better part of two decades now, where we ask the church at the beginning of every year to go, what do you feel like the Lord wants you to do as far as being obedient to the tithes and the offerings this year to the church? Now, here's why this is important. On one hand, it causes us as believers to make a commitment to the Lord, right? I don't know about you, when I make a commitment to the Lord, that really matters. Does it matter to you? 
It matters to me. And so it gives us a chance to step into obedience and make commitments. Second of all, it allows the church to know, the, the body of Christ to know, here's basically what our church has said that they're going to give over the 12 months. And so we can be a better steward of God's money. Because guess what? When you give it to the Lord, it's not Cross Life East money. It is God's money. And we want to steward it well. And so you have a chance to take a moment this week, next week, whenever, and say, you know what, I want to make this commitment. I know this is not a requirement, but I want the church to know because I want to step into obedience and giving to the Lord. Now, let me tell you this, to ease all of your hearts, there's only two people of all of Cross Life that know any cards that are going to come in, and they're the financial people at the Oviedo campus. I know nothing, and I like it that way. The only person that I know and the only number I know is what I write down for Sonia and I. In fact, I'm not even sure she knows that number. But we know, I mean, that's the only number I know. So this is not one of those where I'm going to go around, well, you know, I didn't see that. No, 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 no. This is a chance for all of us to step into obedience. And like I said at the beginning of the message, this church has rocked it for four and a half years. But I think it's important for all of us to realize that we all know that the great almighty dollar can lead us down a path of greed and lust and coveting. And the way that God has established for us to protect against that is by giving back to him. And we want to give you a chance to do that. So this morning, maybe you need to serve. There's a place to serve for him. Fill, fill it out. Take this envelope home with you. Pray about it. Say, God, what would you have me do? But wherever you find yourself, my goal with this message is that we would look at this and we would make this commitment. I'm done expending my life, my energy, and everything I have to accumulate things in the world. I want my life to make an eternal difference. Now, I want to close with this. When I think about me, when I think about my life, I want my life to matter. Does anybody else want your life to matter? I want to know that when I die and when I go to heaven, that my life has made a difference, that I've invested in people, that I've loved people, that I've shared the good news and the gospel with people, that I've been obedient to my Lord. I want to hear those words, welcome home, my good and faithful servant. And when I spend all my energy trying to accumulate things in the world, that's not what's coming. And so maybe some of us need to hit that reset button and go, you know what? I need to be more eternally minded and less earthly minded. So today, how will you respond to that? Let's all stand together if you would. Everybody stand with me. Every head bowed and every eye closed as we pray this morning. God, I love you. And I know that this is a tough topic for so many. I thank you for our first time guests today, Lord. And may you just remind them that really the goal every Sunday is to preach your word. And that's just where we're at today. It was in Matthew 6. I make no apologies for that, Lord. But we're not a church that coerces. We're not a church that, that bends people's arm. We're a church that calls people out to be obedient. God, we want to be a church, as we said last week, that we are so committed to obeying your word that revival would break out in our face, that revival would break out in our homes, that revival would break out in our church. And God, we know that revival hinges on a church that's ready to be obedient. And God, this is one of areas. We've talked about focus. We've talked about things we input into our lives. And today we talked about our investments. So God, I pray that you would speak to us. Some of us need to take a hard look of where we're expending our time, our energy, and our resources. And we need to hit the reset button. God, the prayer that's deep within me today is that for every believer to be reminded that our heart struggles with the issue of money. But yet you've established a path and a way for us to be faithful to you and to fight that greed, fight that lust, fight coveting in our hearts. 
And then, God, I pray for believers that we would step up to the challenge, that we would take that commitment card seriously, not because the church just needs to know a number, but because I need to make a commitment to you, Lord, that everything I have belongs to you, Lord. Everything you're going to bless me with this year, Lord, belongs to you, Lord. So, God, I pray that we would just open our hearts today, that our hearts and our minds would just be at that place where we'd receive your truth. And just know that our number one goal is to walk in obedience to you. So God, I love you. I thank you for all that you do for us. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Now this morning, putting all that aside for a moment, maybe you got some junk going in your life. Maybe you just need some quiet moments along with the Lord, or you need somebody to pray for you. Kelly and Jason over there behind the curtain, and Pat and Willie over there. This altar is going to be open. So maybe you just need some of those moments. This is, this, this is open for you. But would you think this morning about what we've talked about? Would you ask yourself the question, am I driven by earthly and acquiring earthly goods, or am I really eternally minded? And then wherever you need to make those changes and those tweaks, would you do that? And as we sing this morning, my prayer is that we would just say, Lord, let the song be our declaration. Lord, I am available. Whatever you want, whatever you will, whatever you desire, I'm yours. Can we do that this morning? Let's do that as the band leads us in worship.